This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. Today, we are talking about, was this a, oh, this was a listener-suggested episode. This was suggested by a listener, Bryden, of Fountain Pen fame, who once sent us, (gasps) uh, not sent us, but wrote us a letter with a fountain pen, took a photo of that letter, and emailed (laughs) it to us. I love this. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, listener Bryden has asked us to talk about our morning beverage routine. Yes. And and that's what today's episode is. I like this topic because, as we mentioned recently, uh, I have been wanting to do a green tea episode, but I know it's a bad idea because it would involve me droning on and on about green tea for an hour, like long beyond at, at the point where everyone stopped listening. And this way, I get to like confine it to just part of an episode. This is great. And also, I think I, I have never wanted to do a coffee episode, which is my morning right. beverage of choice. Uh, I am not enough of a coffee geek to want to devote an entire episode to coffee, but I would love to talk about my relationship. Oh, are there, are there some people who are like really into coffee? (gasps) Yeah. I feel like I've heard of those people. They do this thing called like cupping. Oh, that's when they put like, uh, like (laughs) suction cups cups. on their backs. Uh, Yeah. uh, Yeah, But the suction cups are filled with coffee. Coffee. (laughs) It is so invigorating. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, You know, before we get get started, we wanted to talk about a cool new podcast that producer Abby is a part of. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I hope she doesn't leave us for this podcast. Yeah, well, she's not. I mean, she's a producer of it. She's not on the air. But I hope she doesn't leave producing us to produce only this podcast because it sounds pretty cool. It's called Everything Cookbooks, Mm -hmm. and it's a podcast for curious writers, readers, and cooks. Mm -hmm. And it's hosted by four veteran cookbook authors. I know you have heard of at least one of these authors before. For Kristen Donnelly, Kate Leahy, friend of the show Andrea Nguyen, and Molly Stevens. Brazing expert of the show, oh, Molly yes, Stevens. Yes. Everything Cookbooks provides behind the scenes information about what it takes to write, edit, and get a cookbook published. Yeah, if you've been thinking about, if people have been, always told you you should write a cookbook, you can listen to this show and find out whether you really should or not. I cannot think of anyone better to talk about this topic than these four women. Yes. So I'm really excited to listen to this. It's called Everything Cookbooks. Get it wherever you get your podcasts. All right. 
Let's talk about our morning beverage memory lane first. Then we can talk about our, our current morning beverage routine. Okay. My memory lane is kind of long here. So I think yeah. we should, I think we should like, you know, uh, tack back and forth. Okay. Mine, mine is much shorter. I thought of like kind of one thing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, if you listen to the herbal tea episode, you will know that I went through a period in college of drinking chamomile tea <laughs> yep. as my morning beverage of choice. Like in retrospect, who does this? It feels so like Berkeley, though. But it also feels so like I can't figure out, you know, if we think of chamomile tea as being like the thing you drink before you go to sleep. I mean, I want to clarify that it's not like I had stayed up all night studying. Like I had just woken up from a good night's sleep and then I drank my soporific tea or soporific tea or whatever. Yeah. On the other hand, <laughs> like, like as, as I said, like I haven't been to, to, to Berkeley, California in a while, but I love going there because every time I go, I see like just actual unreconstructed hippies and it's so reassuring yeah. somehow. There's always and, a, there's always an naked guy on Telegraph Avenue. Right, exactly. And so if if like I heard that like the naked guy on Telegraph Avenue drank chamomile tea in the morning, that wouldn't be surprising. But Matthew, I just have to remind you that I went to like Cal Berkeley's rival. Yeah, okay? that's true. So the fact that you are linking my college beverage habits to to my university's rival is extremely problematic. But it's not, I'm not talking about UC Berkeley. I'm talking about like the East Bay in general. <laughs> okay, I was in the South Bay. Let's get it okay, right. Okay, fine. Then. I don't know anything about California geography or yes. beverages. <laughs> anyway, okay. I've well, ne- so- practically never been to California except for when I went to college there for two and a half years. <laughs> So anyway, uh, yeah, I was an absolutely wild college student drinking chamomile tea for breakfast. It sounds like it. Mm-hmm. What about you? So here's here's my thing. We've we've talked about this before that I am a lifelong ice water drinker. It's my favorite <laughs> favorite beverage, and like. <laughs> I, every time you say this, it's like I've never heard it before. It just doesn't stick. So until like like the last dozen years or so, I never really had a morning beverage routine with the exception of when we when uh, wife of the show, Lori, and I moved to New York uh, for her to go to grad school. We we would uh, shop at the like the West Side Supermarket or Fairway mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. get uh, Tropicana. Sometimes we get like the individual little Tropicana <sighs> carton, Those which always is so best. cute. Uh, but but often we would get the big Tropicana pulp free orange juice, and so I would drink that in the morning most days. I think when we were in New York, I have never really been a coffee drinker. So so I've never had like a morning coffee routine, mm-hmm. and because of that, like I would just drink water. I know it's weird. <laughs> Is it weird? It's like, not it's not weird, but it's so weird. Yeah, um, I know. Well, so I think after I after I decided that I wanted to drink coffee in the morning, I started with decaf. Sure. <laughs> because again, I was like I think it was just a holdover from those like straight edge days. Yeah, I get it. I get you. What episode did I talk about those on? It must have been the herbal tea episode. It must have been the herbal tea episode. Anyway, so I started out with decaf coffee, and I remember I would brew it in the French press. Of course. I mean, who like this is the dumbest morning beverage. Yeah, this is this is our new segment. Who does that? <laughs> who starts their day with ice water or decaf French press? so dumb. Anyway. And why would you listen to those people talk know, to each other voluntarily? I, I had an individual size French press that I remember my dad. So my dad was always like an estate sale and garage sale man. Yes. 
I remember he got me like an individual size, like Bodum French press mm-hmm. at a garage sale and sent it to me at college. And I made my my decaf French press in there. I feel like if I had a French press. OK, so so like two days ago, as you're as you're listening to. No, not as you're listening to this, as we're recording this, an errant swipe of my arm completely shattered and destroyed our electric <laughs> kettle. And I feel like if I had a French press, it would it would be smashed into bits instantly. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. Hold on. Your electric kettle was was plastic. No, it was a uh, tempered glass. Oh, like a coffee carafe. Like a coffee like a percolator. Yeah. I'm so sorry. It broke into a lot of pieces, but you know what? It's replaceable. It's true. Thank goodness. I do always have this uh, shiver of fear when I am pressing the plunger of a French press when it's a glass oh, French you, press. Oh, you think it might be one of those bomb plungers? Yes. Like from a bomb exactly. movie? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, so after after the decaf French press, then I think I went through many years of not drinking hot beverages in the morning. This was all through grad school again. Would I, you drink cold beverages such as ice water? Um, I've never really been an ice person. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I would drink in the mornings. I generally, I, maybe I, nothing. I don't know. Maybe you, were, maybe you were dehydrated for years. I think I was all through grad school. I mean, it's no wonder I wound up dropping out of grad mm-hmm. school. You know, I was so dehydrated. Yeah, they um, should be. They should be like you know testing students for for dehydration. Mm-hmm, they should. Anyway, um, I think, and this seems so predictable now that I I, I sort of look back on it, but I think I started drinking coffee in earnest once I became a parent, right? Yeah, Doesn't that, that seem so like When did you start drinking coffee with Ernest? <laughs> uh, well, so when, okay, when I met Brandon, he was super into coffee. And- <laughs> he was super into Ernest movies. <laughs> that's, that's the first thing you bonded over. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, when I met Brandon, he was super into coffee and he- like- What if you went on a date with someone and you're like, what kind of movies do you like? And they're like, I pretty much exclusively watch Ernest movies. <laughs> <laughs> what would you think, <laughs> Matthew? I don't think I, I don't think anyone else in the world has even thought of. of I know Ernest in. That's what would make it so great. Like I'd be like, either they're they're like a, a murderer, or they're like like there's something sort of cool about that. God, do you did you have any like really memorable dates prior to meeting Lori? Like where things just went so weird? <laughs> no. Like I, I have, like, I have like some embarrassing moments that I don't want to talk about. That like that pop to mind. Like, why did I say that stupid thing? Yeah. Like, could I could I take that back? I'm like, does everybody has that right? Like, like oh. they remember like you know five like incredibly stupid things that they've said that oh, they could yeah. never take back. Oh yeah. Um. So so yeah, I have a couple of those, but no no like classic like bad date stories. I don't think. So when I was uh, working at Whole Foods in the summers, when I was in college, I got a membership at a gym right by my aunt's house mm-hmm. where I was living. And I would go to this gym and I think I used their treadmills or something. And there was this super handsome, like stereotypically gorgeous blonde man. And like I, I somehow struck up a conversation with him and he asked me on a date. Wow. And I have to say, like, I was not the kind of person who this happened to. Sure. We went out on a date. And 
this date went in like the sequence of it in retrospect is so strange. Okay, I want to hear everything. Okay. <laughs> so the date began watching the sunset on Mount <laughs> Tam. In, okay. Okay, just north of San Francisco. And he had brought a bottle of champagne and we like So this this must have been like like in the winter or no, spring. No, this was summer. It was summer cuz otherwise I would have been like down at, at college. Because, like, but that's, doesn't the sun set pretty late in San Francisco in the summer? I don't know about that. You know, maybe longitudes. we didn't actually make it to the sunset. Maybe we just watched the waning of the day. Oh, okay. <laughs> and that was how he invited me. Yeah, Would you, you like want to come, come watch, watch the, the, waning? the waning? Yeah. Of the day. Anyway, he brought some champagne. We were in his pickup truck. This was like, I mean, a really stereotypical date in the beginning. Like, he picked me up in his car. Uh huh. And we drove in, it, it was a pickup truck. We drove up to Mount Tam and then he murdered me. Right, <laughs> sure. It uh, sound like that's yeah. where it goes. Anyway, we watched the waning of the day while drinking some champagne. I mean, this sounds pretty nice so it far. It sounds pretty great, very right? Nice. But then we went out for Thai food and then he pulled out a stack of photographs from a recent bicycling vacation oh, he had God. been on. Oh, with, no. With his then girlfriend. Oh no! And showed them to me, and <laughs> and this was the majority of our dinner. Why? Right? I mean, what makes someone think I'm going on a first date with this girl? So I'm going to bring photos from my recent bicycling vacation with my now ex girlfriend. <laughs> so, like, what are you know? So I, I to some extent, I feel like I do know, but like, what are the things that that I do or that you, that we do? That like anybody, if if they weren't too polite, would tell yeah. us like, why are you doing that thing? Nobody likes it when you do that. I mean, I think our whole podcast. I mean, I think, but but you know, a lot of people listen to the podcast voluntarily, and it's like, true. if you don't have want to listen to to it, you don't have to. Although maybe we shouldn't mention that. Maybe oh. maybe most of our listeners feel like they they're under some sort of compulsion. To. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think uh, you know, at our age, we've outgrown all of those things, oh. so, and like everything we do is totally wanted. Everybody loves us. Mm-hmm. We we have broken all our. Bad Bad habits. We only right. say the right thing. Okay. okay. So so uh, so how was the second date? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like. I still think though I was young enough that I remember getting home from it and and like still being somehow like flattered. Sadly enough that I that like I'd gotten to go on a date with this guy. Yeah. And yet I also knew like wow that went so wrong. Like who does that? I do remember feeling really indignant that he absolutely never asked me a thing about my life. It was so clear. It was so clear. He just did not care. Well, but I mean, he was way more interesting than you because he went on a bike vacation and had the photos to prove it. I should add that the bike vacation was in southern France. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Like, I mean, what do you what would you possibly have to have to add to the conversation? I know. I know. It's just as well that he didn't ask me. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, but. uh. A morning beverages. Oh, right. morning beverages, right. Okay, well, so when I met Brandon... We'll he... do a separate episode on, on which beverages <laughs> we like to drink while while the uh, the day is waning. <laughs> okay. During the waning of the day. The Sorry. waning of the day. Back, yeah, you gotta get, gotta get the phrase right. Uh, to make a long story short, Brandon was into coffee in a way that, like, coffee people are into mm-hmm. coffee. Like, he was cupping with cups of coffee <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when we met. And so... I think that was what started me into thinking about coffee as something I would drink often. Then Brandon became extremely sensitive to caffeine and now can't even drink decaf coffee. Wow. Yeah, no, that sort of happened to me. Like, I, I started, like, drinking some coffee in college and, like, quickly was like, no, this just makes me jumpy and poop a lot. So, uh <laughs> 
So I think I'm going to just go back to water. That, yeah. was, that was good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, I think I started drinking coffee every day when June was little. Yeah. I remember. So Brandon bought me an espresso machine that he found somewhere. Brandon was very much like my dad in his ability to find gems among other people's junk. Mm -hmm. And anyway, he bought me a really great little espresso machine right before June was born. And I remember making myself like Americanos on that thing with June strapped to my chest. Oh, that's cute. she She could sleep through the sound of it. This is good. Like I am thinking of like other sort of like mini morning beverage routines as as you're going down memory lane. Because like when we when we've been in Japan, like when I'm in Japan, like I don't usually make tea at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, like when uh, when we're in Japan, I will usually get coffee at Lawson at Lawson's Machi Cafe because it's just it just feels right and well, it's so I, tasty. I remember being there with you like five years ago and going down going out to Lawson. I think you were I don't know what you were doing, maybe something on the computer. And I went out to Lawson by myself and got us coffee yeah we drank coffee together every morning in japan yeah crazy i don't know like it still sometimes makes me jumpy but it just it just it's a nice routine yeah yeah can i share so the espresso machine that brandon bought me which i I still have in my closet even though i haven't used it in years it was um a brand called paschini whoops i misspelled it on the agenda here paschini oh wow this this photo you included is so fancy this is what is printed (gasps) on the side of the machine matthew this is amazing i think i've seen this before Maybe at your house? Possibly at my or house. Or maybe you told me about it before. For music, Puccini. For art, Bernini. For espresso, Paschini. And this is what is printed on the side of the Paschini espresso machine. <laughs> That's amazing. Like, you know, you should, you should like, for, for your uh, spouse's benefit, um, one day, um, I guess this isn't sitting on your counter, but uh, cover up the Puccini with a sticker that says Bieber. Yes. <laughs> Just to see if they notice. I know. That would for be music. really fun. Bieber. That would be fun. Ash for likes to. For art. Who's, who's, the, who's the, like, visual art equivalent? Of Bieber? Yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure either. And um, I, I don't mean this is like is like picking on Bieber. Like just it's no, just like no. a different different kind of uh, stratum than Puccini. I guess. Yes, I think so. Ash likes to. Does your spouse ever like leave you like sneaky little things, like the equivalent of a, of an Easter egg, like somewhere around the house? Yeah, sometimes like a Reese's peanut butter egg. <laughs> um, we have a, a whiteboard next to the fridge where we write like our grocery list as we need it. Mm-hmm. And Ash will yeah, often, without my noticing, write poopies on it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'll it... just go to look at the grocery list and notice <laughs> that Ash has added poopies. This is like, I, I usually am very serious about what I put on the grocery list because I know if I make a joke, <laughs> I won't remember what I meant later. <laughs> but like anytime we need buttermilk, I will also always write butt milk. Of course. Um, of course. Can I tell you about the the anniversary gifts that wife of the show, Lori, and I recently gave each other? Oh, please. Because um, it was uh, recently our... Our 26th wedding anniversary, Mm -hmm. um, which is, you know how the first one is paper and and like, what do you think 26 is? Well, 25 is probably bronze or something. God, it should really be silver. I mean, (laughs) how many people make it past there? Um, no, I think you're, I think you're right. So I think that it, okay, if twenty five, let's say twenty five is silver, and listeners, I don't want to hear from you if, no. if we're wrong. Let's say twenty five is silver. So let's say twenty six is like um, silver that's recently been polished. Okay, or or silver that's tarnished. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Well, uh, she gave me a box of Wendy's Frosty cereal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which which is uh, I mean I mean the the thought 
like, you know, I love Frosties and, and she was right that I thought this was a great gift. And also it's a really not very good cereal because <laughs> it's like Cocoa Puffs with a bunch of little marshmallows that all fall to the bottom of the box. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and okay. I gave her two Reese's peanut butter eggs. Wow. That's true love. That's really yeah. sweet. Okay. Well, anyway, so maybe we should get into our current Okay. Our, our current thing. I mean, you know, there's, there's, our current thing. there's really nothing else on the agenda. Today. <laughs> no, I figured this would be like uh, a cute little episode. Yeah. Dunkin' cold coffee can be brewed at home in your Keurig coffee maker with Dunkin' cold K-cup pods. Just brew it hot over ice and enjoy flavor that's crafted to serve cold. The home with Dunkin' is where you want to be. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, so Matthew, what do you do now? What's your morning beverage routine? Okay, so here's the part. This part's going to last 45 minutes. Okay. Um, all right, so I am a Japanese green tea drinker, and I got started, uh, I, I first sort of like learned about the existence of Japanese green tea and that it was something I liked at uh, the uh, dearly departed Remedy Teas Cafe on oh, Capitol Hill. Which, rest in uh, peace, Remedy Teas. Which opened like when when Teenager of the Show December was was a baby mm-hmm. So and, and was open for like 11 years so, so probably opened like 2004. Mm-hmm. They, it's the kind, of, the kind of place where they had 150 teas. And like a lot of them were, you know, flavored blends and stuff. But, but they also had a lot of, uh, of like unflavored, you know, oolong teas, black teas, white teas, green teas. And I like tried a few different ones. I, I was already someone who liked, you know, drinking black tea sometimes, like a PG Tips. And I eventually settled on the Japanese green tea, Sencha. And I was like, I like this stuff. I'm going to make this Wait, my regular tea. So this is where you you got into Sencha? Yeah. Oh, I assumed that it was in Japan. Yeah, you would think so. But no. Okay. It was th- three blocks from my house. <laughs> Okay. And so did you just sort of methodically work your way through tasting different varieties of green tea? I didn't even know that I liked green tea, honestly. Okay. Um, so like I just I knew that I wasn't very interested in flavored tea. And like mm-hmm. if you're going to have 150 teas, most of them are flavored teas. So so I was able to like rule out most of the menu. Mm-hmm. But like I tried, you know, a few different black teas. I like I like uh, like the Lapsang Souchong, like smoky tea. I would mm-hmm. get that. I got that a couple of times. But then like I just found like, you know, the, the Sencha the Japanese green tea was just the one that I wanted like never got tired of and like would, you know, drink the whole pot and ask them to re-steep it and drink another whole pot while I was like writing one of my one of my books or something. Will you talk a little bit about what Sencha is? Oh, would I? Okay. Okay. So and now and now I make it at home and I will get into the routine. But but uh like green tea is is tea that hasn't been oxidized. So black tea is black because like the leaves are kind of crushed and left to oxidize. Kind of um, like when when basil turns black. Yeah, is it like, like that? that. But, okay. uh, but like this is a this is like in a good way. Okay. Um, and green tea, like something is done to like arrest that process very early on. And so the way it's typically done in China is you take the leaves and you like sort of like cook them in a big pot, dry pot. 
Okay. Um, and so that gives the the uh, the tea kind of a roasted, um, like very lightly smoky flavor okay. um, that is characteristic of like good quality Chinese green tea. Although Chinese green tea is like an entire world. Yeah. So, so that's that's a vast oversimplification. The vast majority of green tea in Japan, though, is steamed to stop the oxidation process. Interesting. Um, and so that what that does is it emphasizes first of all very green color and very vegetal flavors yes. so like the of like all of the popular teas of the world the japanese green tea is the one that tastes most like what you imagine like a green leaf would taste i think of sencha as tasting a bit like spinach Yep, that's totally true. And there are different styles of sencha also, of course. I like the one that's more steamed, which is called Fukamushi Sencha. Okay. Uh, I order it from Japan. I will give a link to the place that I order it from, which is ocha.com. And I like the, kind of just their like basic deep steamed green tea blend from Kagoshima in the south of Japan. I totally recommend ordering from this company, but they have found like since the pandemic that the only shipping method that reliably gets uh, packages to the U.S. is FedEx. And so the minimum shipping charge is going to be $30. Oh, wow. Uh, but it'll get there fast. So a question for you. Do you feel like the tea that you had at Remedy Teas was a like a high quality sencha? Like in yeah, retrospect, do you think your introduction was like, a, you know, it was well brewed? It was. Yeah, because I've had some really low quality sencha that. And uh, that I'm just not interested in because it just doesn't taste like much. And is it kind of fiddly? Like, do you have to be careful brewing this stuff? Oh, you are yeah. nodding and smiling. You love okay. this. So let me take you through my morning beverage routine. Oh, okay. this sounds very relaxing. I so, can't wait. I mean, it is because like I've I've like, you know, got it down to like just the level of nerdiness that I want. Okay. Okay. Um, and you don't have to brew it this nerdily but i like to and that's why i do it like the routine is a big part of why i enjoy it so i take one teaspoon of tea leaves and put it into my little ceramic teapot do that, you use a like a measuring spoon or do you use like a table like a, a teaspoon you'd put on a table i use a measuring spoon okay one on. one teaspoon okay I, I ordered this teapot from japan of course okay and then i heat some water to about 180 degrees fahrenheit okay um and i have uh, a uh, a water pot, you know, an electric kettle that with different temperature buttons, mm -hmm. or at least I did until I destroyed it <laughs> okay. uh, with my gorilla arm. Oh, no. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know my own strength. Like I, I have these huge like Schwarzenegger style muscles. And I just do. don't know what to do with them. It's really good that our listeners can't see you because then they just get to think you're like lovable little Matthew. When in truth, when, when you in are truth, a beast. Yeah. Like I'm I'm like, you know that you know that guy, Dwayne Johnson. Yeah. Who, the so, rock. So, who used to go by by a nickname. Um like that people people often say that they think that guy's my little brother. Oh. <laughs> um so okay, so then I, I put a teaspoon of tea leaves into the into the teapot. I heat this water up to about 180. I take my uh little ceramic teacup, which I ordered from Japan. Okay. Go on. Go on. I'm I put here. it onto a digital scale. Yes. And I pour 70 grams, 70 milliliters of hot water into the cup to warm up the cup a little and get the get the water down to tea brewing temperature. Okay. And I pour the cup into the teapot. Got it. Okay. I put the lid on the teapot and I brew that for 44 seconds. 
44. What happens if you go to 45? Everything, everything explodes. (laughs) Um, I do 44 seconds because when I set a timer, I like to like press the fewest number of buttons possible. I know Uh, this makes me sound like even more of a fun person, but like I'm really fun. No, this is how I feel about. I used to be in a band. No, I have these thoughts about the microwave. Um, I really need to, I have to set the microwave for multiples of five, like a time that's a multiple of five. I don't want to set it for something like 44 seconds. I need it to be a multiple of five. Our microwave has like uh, shortcut buttons. Like if you push just the start button, that's 30 seconds. And then you can push like one through five to, to do like one minute, two mm-hmm. minutes. And oh, I, but you love I that. almost never use the time set anymore because of that. Ours, if you press start, it does one minute. And that's what I do yeah. primarily. But I like it not only because I only press one button, but also because it's it's such a clean number. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then after 44 seconds, I pour from the from the uh, teapot it back into the cup. The tea is brewed, and I give the give it a little shake to get those last few drops out. Okay. And uh, wait, and hold on. Is there a strainer somewhere? The strainer is in the pot. So, so I bought a pot that is made for brewing deep steamed Japanese green tea. So it has a very fine mesh strainer. Okay. Some people like more uh, like leaf fragments in their cup. Okay. I don't. Okay. And then I drink the tea and then I re-steep it. The second steep, I do 22 seconds. And then the third steep, I go back to 44 seconds, all with the same temperature water. Do you ever forget which steep you're on? Um, Usually not because I leave the timer and it shows the previous time I used. Uh, If not for that, I would totally forget. And do you always like have three cups? Always have three cups, yeah. Unless I'm like dashing to get somewhere. Okay. Uh, And the second steep is my favorite. That's like the thickest, greenest, juiciest one. And so here's a question. So how many ounces do you think this little cup is? Oh, that's a good question. Let me grab the cup. Okay. Tell me what you think. Okay. Ah, okay. So maybe. uh, Maybe like three ounces. Four ounces? I'm going to guess like four yeah. ounces, four to five. And so and so like the amount of tea I brew fills this cup like half full. Oh, and like wow. so okay. I sometimes think to myself like, you know, people people like pre uh, you know, premium beverages mm-hmm. and like, you know, there's lots of different premium beverage chains that mm-hmm. people get into. And like, could you do like a Japanese green tea and matcha premium beverage chain? And I think the problem is like the best way to make these things when they're really good is in very small quantities. Yeah. And like people don't want to carry to like buy and then and then like walk around with like a two ounce serving of their beverage. Yes. I think. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so much for that business idea. Wow, this is I I thoroughly enjoyed that uh, that walk through your morning beverage routine. Yeah, and like, is that way more complicated than it has to be? Yes, and is that's kind of the point. Like, you know, that's like a thing a thing that I do in the morning that lets me know that my day is getting started. Oh, this is delightful. And do you as uh, I think this is this is an important thing. Do you go through this routine before or after you do your like morning ablutions, getting dressed, et cetera? I'm really glad you asked because it's a very interesting topic. (laughs) Um, I I have been finding recently, like normally, like up until recently before. Okay. um, But lately I've been finding that like if I don't, if if I don't shower first thing, then I kind of just the day like. It's hard to get the day started. Okay. And so I've been trying to like get out of bed and like kind of stumble into the shower. Okay. Um, and like I don't want to do that, but it does seem like the morning goes better when I do. Mm-hmm. And then I'll get my tea going as soon as I get dressed. I get that. Yeah, I get that. 
And oh, and like by the way, like the I love the flavor and texture of this tea. Like I drink it because it's super delicious, but I also like the the kind of dumb little ritual I've built around it. And how much caffeine does does a green tea like this have compared to like drip coffee or something? That's a good question. I mean, obviously, I, I think much less. Yeah, I think I think less. Although I brew it pretty strong. And so I think I think probably what I end up getting is like half a cup of coffee's worth of caffeine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be that's my guess. Great. That's perfect. Seems seems about right to me. I can't really handle a whole cup of coffee. Yeah. Well, my routine is yeah. similarly precise. Okay, I like it. But it's over faster. <laughs> um, faster so, than forty-four seconds. Uh, well, you you have you know your your three cups, right? Yeah. So okay, I tend to make pour-over coffee, and I usually use a uh, like a one-serving pour-over dripper. Mm-hmm. I have like a little Hario. I think it's like the V sixty or something like that dripper. I also have a Chemex. Although, uh, I mean, talk about fear of breakage. I have broken. Yeah. I think I've broken at least two Chemexes over the years. The one I have now is my mother's Chemex, and I'm did, sure to break did it. Did she know like your history before lending it to well, you? Well, I had broken my Chemex, and yes, I okay. wrote to I, I said, "Mom, are you using your Chemex?" Because she usually only brews a cup at a time too, and so she was not using the Chemex. Yeah, and I guess like when I think about it, like one of the main points of having kids is to be able to foist off stuff you're not using anymore That's onto true. them. That's true. I use the Chemex if we have other people around or if I, for some reason, think I'm think today's going to be a two cup kind of day. Sure. But most of the time I brew a single cup. I have a Rancilio Rocky. It's a brand of <laughs> a brand and, and model of grinder. It's it's also like uh, it's been my nickname ever since I got these big muscles. People call me Rancilio Rocky. <laughs> anyway, it is a burr grinder. <laughs> Every year, or so I take it apart just so I can have a terrible day trying to put it back together. Yeah. Anyway, it's a burr grinder. I grind my coffee to a certain uh, to a certain weight. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually grind thirty grams okay. for one serving. I love this. Okay, so basically, I get my my mug. I put it on my Hario scale and it's like a jeweler scale. It's like very precise. Oh yeah, you brought it to our last retreat and yeah. I was admiring it. Yes. So I put my cup on that. I put my my dripper with a paper filter in it. I pour some hot water from the kettle through the filter, get all that paper flavor out, mm-hmm. warms the cup a little bit. I dump out the water, put the filter filled dripper back on top of my mug, add my 30 grams of ground coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I like a medium roasted coffee. Okay. Um, although, you know, I won't complain if it's dark. But I, I don't like the really light, like blonde coffees that sure. that have been trendy recently. And then I I start the clock on my timer. And I add about twice the weight of the ground. So about 60 grams of water. I let that bloom for like 45 seconds. And then I slowly add the rest of the water up to a total of 240 grams. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and then I've got my single cup of coffee. And as you can imagine, like 240 grams is not a tremendous amount. No, it's like it's like one cup, like eight ounces. Yes. Yeah, it is. But almost no coffee mugs are that right. small. Right. I mean, so you can see, actually, 
Is this I'm, is this a mug that you would use? This is a mug I use often. You can see that my coffee only comes like two thirds of the way. Wait, did up you just it. bring this mug over like because we were doing this topic and you wanted to show me your? No, I brought mug? it over because I wasn't done with my coffee when I left the house. But you know what? I, I, I realized as I got out of the car with this mug, which is extremely stained from my coffee. Mm-hmm. That I wish I had, like a couple months ago, I did a whole bunch of research on how to remove the stain that often- But do you often, want to remove the oh, stain? Oh, I do. I okay. think this is gnarly. Oh, like, this I kind of really, like it. I think it's like patina. Oh, this is a really nice, like handmade ceramic mug, and it is so stained on the inside. Uh, apparently, there are lots of different ways to remove it. I haven't tried any of them. But yeah, all my good coffee mugs are stained, and I need to spend some time cleaning them. I don't mind a stain in a coffee mug. Oh, I do. Like I it do. just it just looks like like evidence of love to me. No, this looks like I don't know how to keep my belongings. Like, like a, a sheet clean. stain is evidence of love. <laughs> exactly. Um, what do you do while drinking your coffee? Oh, okay. So I always have breakfast. I almost always have breakfast before getting dressed. Mm-hmm. I will put on my bathrobe and then go make my coffee at the very least and then get dressed. Sometimes I'll also have like my bowl of cereal or whatever mm-hmm. before I get dressed. Wendy's so, Frosty cereal, for example. You know, I, I every now and then will decide I'm going to be the kind of person who puts good things into their brain first thing in the morning and I'll make myself <laughs> like read a book while uh, I drink my coffee. But that never lasts. Me. That never lasts very long. I usually sit there staring at my phone mm-hmm. like, like a citizen of, of the 21st century. <laughs> Or I take it with me into the bathroom while I get dressed. But uh, I can't drink it when it is like first brewed. I can't drink it that hot. I'm pouring 205 degree water over the grounds. Sure. So even after it's brewed for a couple minutes or, you know, even after it's taken a couple minutes to get through the dripper, it's still really hot. Yeah, that's that's a thing about green tea is you can drink it pretty much right away. Yeah. As we've discussed many times, I have a very tender tongue. Yeah. So <laughs> thank you for that really... Sweet affirmation. Yo. (laughs) Anyway, uh, I love my coffee so much. And I feel like going through this ritual is not an imposition to me. It feels easy. I know how to do it. I mean, same as you. It has never occurred to me to have like a like a push button coffee maker or to like set a timer on it. I maybe in part because I only drink one cup. Mm And so it it doesn't feel like a big deal to just go through these steps. I do I do have like a really like nostalgic memory of the sound of like the drip coffee maker yes. that my dad would use when I was a kid, like that that, that burbling. Burble. Yeah. It's absolutely it's a, a burble. However, you know what is one of the nicest things that can happen to a person? Okay. What? So when I go, whenever I'm traveling. I mean, you probably get asked by, out by a hot guy at the gym. <laughs> whenever I travel with my mom, you know, in recent years, we've like stayed at an Airbnb or whatever. I mean, I feel like it's been ages since I've stayed in a hotel, even before the pandemic. Yeah. No. Yeah. Anyway, my mom always brings a like a a bag of ground coffee and her AeroPress. Yeah. There is something truly magical about having my mother make me a cup of AeroPress coffee. And she is not nearly as like precise about her coffee making as I am. And, you know, the beans aren't freshly ground or whatever. But, oh, my gosh, when my mother hands me a cup of like strong coffee that is a delight. Oh, and I always drink my coffee black. 
yeah, you know how like we 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 know some chefs and like how uh, like chefs will always tell you like you know when like someone makes them a home cooked meal like they oh, are, will never never in a million years stop and say like mm, this isn't as good as what I could make at my restaurant oh, which is yeah. the fear of anyone who's cooking for a chef this is this is how I feel like whenever anyone like cooks or or makes something for me you know just like I'm so glad someone did something for me yes. <laughs> You know, we should just like swap uh, swap morning beverage routines. But like, you know, like in the sense that I'll come over and make yours for you. And you come okay. over and make mine would, for me. I, I mean, your your routine sounds I, I would love to like go through the steps that you described. It sounds really satisfying. It's very much truly the same as yours. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I did not expect that. And uh, and that's why we're BFFs. Yeah. <sighs> should we move on to segments? Yeah. All right. I've got a new segment for you. It's called What's New in Spira? I was wondering how to pronounce that. Yeah, I think that's correct. What, not, what, not... Is, what is Spira? Okay, so it's been too long since we've had a video game segment. Yeah. And we used to have a segment called Animal Crossing that was about what was going on on your, on your island or June's mm-hmm. island. Uh-huh. And now I have an island or at least uh, like a was on an island because I've been playing playing the game game Final Fantasy X okay. on the Switch, which uh, if uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't played this game from 1999 yet, uh, <laughs> like fast forward. But I want to tell you a little about, bit about what's going on in the in the land of Spira, which is where this story takes place. Okay, I am finding that it's a very immersive game, and as soon as I stop playing, I pretty much forget everything that happened. But <laughs> oh, it's I mean, like our podcast. Yes, exactly. So it's it's just like that. But like I recommend this game because it is it, like very immersive and escapist and like uh, you know while you're playing Final Fantasy 10 you probably won't be thinking about like other things going on in the world. What what kinds of things do you do in in Spira? Spira? So, so you walk around and you meet people and you fight random monsters is oh. pretty much it and like at one point I went into a, I went like ran into a temple and like um, moved some spheres around <laughs> and, and rescued uh, so now I've got this I've got this like adventuring party we're about we're about to head off from this uh, tropical island on a boat together to do something that I don't remember. Okay, but it's me, Riku. Waka and Yuna. Okay. And uh, we all have our different, you know, some of us are better at magic. Some of us are better at wielding a sword. I'm, I'm Titus and I am a uh, former, some kind of, some kind of underwater ball game, sort of uh, <laughs> like, like super soccer, kickball type of game. Uh, but I can't play anymore because my um, home city was destroyed oh. in a terrorist attack from that. I think was maybe my mean dad was behind. Oh no. Oh. And so, like, I'm going to have to confront that guy at some point for sure. Oh, no. Um, but for now, we're heading out on a boat together, and I think we're probably going to fight some more monsters. That sounds awesome. So I'll. Uh, that's probably maybe the only time we'll ever do this segment, but if something interesting happens, we'll do it again. <laughs> hey, uh, did we ever have a knitting segment? I know we had, like, we had a quilting call segment, quilts. calling it quilts. Do we need a knitting segment? No, just I just wanted to say one thing about knitting. So I just finished my second ever sweater. Okay. And uh, Matthew, well, on the day that we're recording this, we're going to be doing uh, an event at Town Hall in Seattle with Kenji Lopez-Alt. Yeah, which if you're listening to this happened like two months ago. Yeah, I'm so sorry. But anyway, I'm going to be wearing the sweater that I knit. Oh, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Be it's... sure and, and somehow work that into a question for Kenji. Oh, great. Okay. Yeah, I'll like, ask him. Like, what do you him... think of this sweater? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Do we have any spilled mail? We do. We do. 
It's from listener Ken Albala, who writes, I love it when I'm walking to work listening to Spilled Milk and there's a shout out. So your question is a great one. What was the question exactly? Oh, it was something I, about yeah. like uh, service, service a la russe versus French service. Wait, what on earth would does that mean? Well, okay, so I oh, I'm trying so to think, like table side, table side, like what what would we have been talking about? Caesar salad, Caesar salad. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay, All right. okay, here we go. Um, oh, that's good because our spilled mail on our next episode is also going to be Caesar salad related, but okay. in a totally different way. Okay, so. There's a story often repeated, though I've never seen direct evidence that it's true, that when so-called service à la Russe was introduced to Paris by the ambassador from Russia, one Alexander Kurakin, between 1804 and 1812, rather than put all the food at once on the table, as in service à la Française, the food would be brought out and carved or heated and served from a stationary little table or one on wheels that could be rolled around a restaurant. It was sort of like earlier French carving at the table and earlier Italian carving by a scalco. There's a whole 17th century literature on carving. I cannot figure I, out what from context I, what a scalco is. I, uh, I'm loving all of this. <laughs> yeah, okay, no. Okay, go I, on. I just let yourself kind of... I'm, kind gonna, of, I'm being taken away. Yeah. Thank you, Ken. But that was in private banquets. In the early 19th century, the logic was that when restaurants began to proliferate, they couldn't afford to put a whole roast on a table and leave it to get cold. That seems reasonable. Or move it to serve another table. So the roast (laughs) rolled around, was portioned for each table as ordered. (laughs) This was so. So the implication was that maybe before that, like you would, the roast would be on your table. You would like carve some off, and then a waiter would come and, and move that roast to another table and set it there. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. So the roast rolled around was portioned for each table as ordered. This was a very unusual thing in American restaurants, and in fact, there is service à l'américaine too, which just means food is plated in the back and brought to each diner. But restaurants in mid-20th century America tried trying to imitate the French, think crepe Suzette flambéed, or indeed the Caesar salad or steak tartare, much less often a carved joint, introduced it as a way to be fancy. A few years ago, there was a minor revival, but COVID put a quick end to that. I really miss the dessert cart, so you could see exactly what you'd be getting. Oh, the dessert cart. Yes, or the cheese cart. The cheese cart. The cheese cart. Thank you, Ken Albala, for sharing this information with us, not only because it was delightful to learn about this, but also because it just made me... um, for a moment, have that feeling that you have in kind of a fancy restaurant where you are being taken care of. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Where somebody's coming around with the bread and putting it on your plate for you. Although I never really like that. But yeah, where there's going to be a cheese cart. You don't like it when someone puts bread on your plate? I don't really want somebody to come. I just want them to put bread in the middle (laughs) of the table so I can take what I want. That's fair. I don't, I especially don't. And I want that with a roast. Yes. Just, anyway, thank you, Ken. All right. That was delightful. Matthew, do you have a now but wow this week? I do. Um, as I mentioned, I've uh, I've really been in the mood for just like reassuring, calm, escapist entertainment recently. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been enjoying a YouTube channel that I've subscribed to for a while now um, called Japanese Noodles Udon Soba Osaka Nada. Okay. And what it does is, I don't know who the person behind it is, um, but they do, they go to a restaurant serving noodles or okonomiyaki or something, something like very like everyday food in mm-hmm. Western Japan. And they go into the kitchen. There's no talking. They just show the people preparing the specialties of the house and with incredible detail. So like the video will often be like 30 or 40 minutes long and you'll see them make a bunch of different dishes. You'll see them making the udon noodles from scratch 
often. Mm-hmm. There's often a lot of scenes with with a lot of flowing cra- uh, beaten eggs for like making an egg sauce for a katsudon or something. Mm-hmm. And just like the food is beautiful and like obviously delicious. You know, the, the sounds are very of the of the kitchen are very are very reassuring. And there's just like a whole like like a warmth and curiosity to the whole thing. Like it would be it would be very hard to to dislike or be disturbed by anything you see in these wonderfully I, I don't know I've, I've used all my adjectives oh. uh, it's just it's just a great great like beautiful place to spend your time it does make me wish I could be there eating the food obviously so there is sort of sort of a, uh, a pang mm-hmm. but uh, we all we all get pangs we all get pangs and we'll, we'll link to it in the show notes oh that sounds wonderful one other thing while I'm thinking of it this does not constitute a now but wow because I'm plugging my own thing but my band Consolation Lakes has a new single called uh, Letter to the West Coast I wrote it and I mm. uh, am singing it along with my uh, my collaborator Lauren Hewn uh, I'm very very proud of how this song came out. And I'm just going to ask producer Abby to stick it at the end of the episode because it's like two minutes and 20 seconds long. Oh, great. It's just, it's just a pretty little post-apocalyptic folk song that I wrote. Okay. All right. Our producer is Abby Circatella. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. And you can chat with other listeners on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash everything spilled milk. Uh, and until next time, uh, thank you for listening to Spilled Milk. I'm Service à l'Américaine. And I'm Service à, à la Française. Oh, and wait, now do we also say our names? I, oh. I, like, I didn't think of think through this joke. I mean, I mean I'm Molly. Oh, and I'm, Ma- I'm Matthew Amsterburton. Okay, bye.
Hey, Keurig coffee drinkers. Did you know that the bold, smooth taste of Dunkin' cold coffee can be brewed in your Keurig coffee maker and enjoyed at home? Dunkin's cold K-cup pods were crafted to be brewed hot and enjoyed cold. And of course, they're packed with the Dunkin' flavor you crave. Brew over ice and sip in seconds. Because the home with Dunkin' is where you want to be.